Hello, boys and girls of Credit Union Land, and welcome to the sixth episode of the CU Insight Experience. My name is Randy Smith. I am one of the co-founders and the publisher of CUInsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest from around the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and hopefully find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Mr. John Pembroke. John is the president and CEO of Q's. I enjoy finding time at Q's events to talk to John. We're both Midwestern guys. He's originally from Chicago. I'm originally from Detroit. We may not agree on sports, but we always have a lot of fun in the conversations. The locations are never bad either. We recorded this episode a few weeks back at Q's Symposium down in the Bahamas. The content's fantastic. The weather's great. It's always a great time of year to get away from the cold. On this episode, we had a fun conversation where we talked about the war on talent, not only in credit unions, but across the board. We talked about the challenges that John and his team are seeing that credit unions are facing. And we talked about how Q's has had to evolve over time to meet those challenges. We then moved on to the leadership and life hacks portion of the show. And who better to talk to than the guy who runs an organization that educates credit union leaders and future leaders. If you've met John before, you know he's a great listener. He takes it all in. Well, in the rapid fire question portion of the show that we wrap it all up with, we got him talking and I think you're really going to like getting to know him better. I enjoyed recording this episode and I enjoyed the conversation with John uh, immensely. One thing I would like to add before we get into the show is to check out the Q's podcast. They do a great job with it. I've linked to it below in the show notes. Give it a listen. I'm sure you'll enjoy. And with that, I give you my conversation with Mr. John Pembroke. Enjoy. John, thanks for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. And taking time away from Q's Symposium, beautiful Bahamas. When I left Madison, it was minus 10 Fahrenheit, so uh, I have nothing to complain about being here in the Bahamas. You have me beat. It was four when we left Connecticut. So (laughs) minus 10, you've got it. So yeah, I think we're both happy to be here. So I want to jump right into the questions. Something that I know is near and dear to Q's is the war on talent. If you could, to the listeners, could you first explain... What is the war on talent and why it's such an important topic for credit unions? Sure. And the, the timing is perfect. We just came out of a session with uh, Ram Charan. And his key message uh, is now that talent creates and the importance of talent in an organization. The war on talent, what it means is there is a limited supply of talent. And you have a lot of different companies and organizations fighting to attract, develop, and retain that talent. So that way, for several reasons, you have baby boomers retiring, 10,000 a day. All that experience and knowledge leaving different companies and organizations. You have unemployment at historic lows, as well as a lot of, I'd say, traditional churn from younger professionals and younger members of the labor force. So you throw all that together, and what happens is they're just fewer talented people out there to lead, to manage, to execute, to do the things that we need to do to advance our organizations. So the focus is what can you do differently to acquire or develop or retain those individuals because talent is essential to the success of all of our organizations. So So what's Q's doing to help? Sure. So you know we, we are all about talent development and we partner with our members who join us to help them develop talent management strategies. 
that are aligned with their overall business strategies. And we also provide the, the ideas, the tools, the events to develop the individuals, whether it's something as important or as broad as leadership or strategic planning to very detailed and very focused things like business lending. And we do this while partnering with our organizations, not just on the management or executive side, but also on the board side as well. Because, you know, in leading an organization, it's, it's the executives, but you got to have a, a very uh, a good partnership with your board. And so understanding governance, understanding business uh, affairs, relations, et cetera, is important too. So you mentioned the speaker earlier who spoke this morning. Ram Sharan, right. Yeah, and Ram said early on about Steve Jobs coming back to Apple and like getting rid of the entire board, except for one guy. You know, I mean, so. that was a hell of a story. <laughs> yeah, it was a great story. <laughs> but just how important the board is also. So Correct. they have to be educated as well and developed. Um, you mentioned events, and we're at, a, at one of your events. Is there a topic that you're hearing over and over that's important to credit unions in 2019? Sure. So there's several. I'll just highlight a few. One that comes up time and time again on the executive as well as the board side is talent pipeline. Okay, so what do I need to do as a leader of this organization to develop future leaders that will lead the company? What are the experiences and expertise that they need to have? What are the values that I need them to embrace to be effective within the organization? And how do I do it? So how do I address talent pipeline? Cybersecurity. That's something that's top of mind that you know has uh, a lot of potential risk to it that needs to be addressed. And that is something as well as you know disruption, fintech, innovation, you know now there's a lot of discussion about a potential pending recession. So you know things are going well now, things are growing, but from a scenario standpoint, what are the plans? What are the things you need to think through? So if something like that does kick in, what do you do? You don't want to be caught off guard, right? I think we all think of leadership development as something Qs does. How does Qs also help with cybersecurity education and some of the others that maybe we don't associate Qs with as much? Sure, sure. Great question. So we, we are much bigger than an event company. We are also a content company. We have a myriad of different uh, media properties. Uh, we just launched cumanagement.com, which, you know, on cumanagement.com, it's really addressing uh, not just the evergreen topics like leadership strategy and governance, but also the current topics that are relevant for the time now. So we deal with a lot of current events, current opportunities and challenges like cybersecurity. We have podcasts. We're doing, I know we're doing at least one or two a week. Uh, where we bring in industry experts to share their opinion uh, and their insight and their takeaways on uh, what to do with in various opportunities and challenges. We also partner with best-in-class service providers. In the cybersecurity space, we just launched a partnership with Leo Cybersecurity. We kicked that off a couple months ago and, and looking forward to them helping with thought leadership in that space and educating our members on the, the way to navigate it and the various challenges and, and coming up with uh, actionable takeaways and solutions that can put them in a better place. Have you found the digital channel to be a place that you can respond almost real time? Well, by its nature, yes. Okay. Was that part of the redesign and everything of CU management? Sure. It is also, uh, you know, I'm a, I am a marketer at heart. 
coming out of grad school, uh, I was in brand management at Procter & Gamble. And, you know, the one thing that you learn at Procter & Gamble, being in brand management, is at the core of business is understanding your consumer's need, okay? Not only does digital allow you to take advantage of immediacy, but also people consume content in different ways. You know, I just walked out of a room of about 400 CEOs and board chairs. I'm sure there are still some people there who love magazines. And we were talking about reading newspapers and how some people like, well, if that's how they like to consume their content, you got to be there to deliver to them. But, you know, with the acceleration of digitization and digital channels, that's really our focus. It allows us in a cost-effective way, in a very measurable way, uh, to deliver impactful content uh, that meets the content needs of, of the readers. So, Man, marketing has had to have changed. I mean, at the core, since you were with Procter & Gamble, I'm sure a lot of it's the same. But like the access to data that marketers have today compared to maybe when you got out of grad school, right? I mean... Yeah, that's very true, but it's also the access to information that consumers have today, okay? That's what's really shifted the paradigm. You know, at the end of the day, your members have the power. And think of all the information that's out on the Internet and through different channels where they can contrast, compare, investigate different options. Uh, Think of the cost-effectiveness of the delivery of that information. So... You know, no longer do you need to develop a 60-second television ad where you need to spend thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it edited and perfect and purchase the media. And No, it's a lot simpler, it's a lot easier, it's a lot more cost-effective, and that has put a lot of information into consumers' hands. So it makes it more challenging. You know, the consumers, I, I remember, geez, it must have been four or five years ago now, and I was speaking at a like a league event, and... I just, I asked the question to the room and I had no idea what the response was going to be, but I was like, how many people you're in from out of town already know where you're going to dinner and you've already looked at the menu? I, I think at first they're like, where's he going with this? And I'm like, that's what your you know, members do before they walk in, right? Exactly. No, that was a great question. Yeah, absolutely. I think this plays in so much to what you were just talking about, but how has cues evolved over the years, especially since your time as the CEO in a marketplace, in a economy, in a world that's just evolving so quickly? Is the pace of change at cues also sped up? Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, um, because you know, understand at the end of the day, we, we want to partner with our members to develop leaders on the executive management side and on the board side. So if you think of financial services and how it's changed in three or five years, okay, there's information, there's expertise, there's learning that needs to take place to be able to adapt to that change. That's where we want to play a role. That's where we want to help. So from a content standpoint, if you think of, you know, our strategic innovation institute that we developed and launched in partnership with Stanford, their uh, business school, how to embrace innovation, how to incorporate it into your culture, how to assess large and small scale innovation. The thought process, the thinking, the assessment of existing business opportunities or exploitation versus the thought process, the thinking, the assessment of new opportunities, which is exploration. It's different. And you have to train yourself and others to think about it differently. If you think about our Strategic Growth Institute that we developed with the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, it's all about what is your growth strategy. So we understand there's a lot of change, 
Uh, we understand our market opportunities, okay? Based on that, we want to grow our organizations. How do we do it? Let's define the strategy. Then let's think about, okay, is merger a part of that? Is alliance? How much is organic? Yeah. You know, but first let's define that, that growth strategy, and then we can figure out the right, right tools to go there. We've also changed a lot as an organization in how we deal with our members, Q's as an organization has been around over 50 years. We do a lot of things well, but we evolved with the times. Um, we are very uh, keen and very receptive to member feedback, and we have really evolved, I think, our organization to be more of a market-facing organization where you know, we have a member relations team that, you know, that team of individuals throughout North America meets with CEOs and board of directors and mid-management of credit unions on a daily basis to really understand their credit unions, to understand their business, and to try and figure out ways potentially where we can help or point them in the right direction where we can't. But we become much more of a market-facing organization. I'll also say, and this is something that we took on this year, we changed our whole membership structure to make it easier for our members and for credit unions team hates it when I talk about this, but I always called us the Baskin-Robbins of membership. You know, you remember Baskin-Robbins, the ice cream? 31 flavors. There we go. So we had 31 flavors of membership, and we needed to simplify it because it was hard for credit unions to understand and, quite frankly, presented challenges internally for us to manage it. So now we have three. (laughs) We went from 31 to three just a simple individual membership, and then we have two what we call group memberships, Unlimited Plus and Unlimited. And with our group memberships, for one price, anyone in the credit union can join. That's board, that's executive, that's management, that's throughout the organization for one price. And with this new change, we also added a lot of great new valuable benefits too. So we've changed a lot based on member feedback, based on market conditions, to make sure that we remain relevant and can partner with our credit unions to to help them develop and educate their leaders and uh, board members. We'll link to everything John talks about in the show notes below, so we'll link to the the new membership structure. I'm sure there's a page on... Sure. It's very simple, too. (laughs) Just three things. Exactly. uh, Credit unions can choose what's right for them. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to skip ahead a question because I think it tied into the change part of this discussion. Are there current beliefs that you see credit unions holding that you think are going to just significantly change over the next few years? That's a great question. (laughs) I do see uh, some beliefs, but I I think that there are, put it this way, there are certain assumptions that I think have been embedded into the norm in which certain credit unions or companies in general may operate, what's happening with the disruption and with a lot of the change is those assumptions are being challenged, yeah. right? So, you know, you, you have to think through the things that you believe in and say, okay, are these really persistent, everlasting, non-changing assumptions that are just going to stay there? The guess is, you know, the only constant in life is change. That's true. Um, so, my guess is at some point it will be challenged, but I, I guess that there are a couple of things that I would suggest that I think will change. And I think, you know, as a financial institution, as a credit union, we tend to lock in on products and services, 
Okay, so, you know, a product could be a checking account or a product could be a loan of some sort. And that's what we focus on delivering. That's how we approach the business. That's how our mindset is. I think what's going to happen, and we're seeing it happen in, in a lot of the uh, newer economy companies, it's about experiences. That's, yeah. Okay, so an experience could be a combination of products and services. An experience could just be an introduction to something. But I think as long as you're dealing with consumers and as long as the competition is focused on delivering those types of experiences in order for you to remain relevant with your members, and, and as I always tell people, you know, when the competition comes after your members, they're not going after your worst members. No, no they want your best. <laughs> they never, exactly. They want your best. So if you want to keep, you know, your best members, you're going to have to – shift and adjust your thinking to understand experiences and that's how you're going to want to you know design your processes your strategy your approach uh, etc i also think there's one significant shift this is not unique to financial services but i think this is unique to business the importance and the evolution of human resources okay okay because of the war for talent Okay, and the need to address talent pipelines, the, the development, the acquisition of talent. I think a couple things are going to happen when it comes to HR. I think, number one, it is very important, but the importance of it is going to increase even more. If you think about it, as a leader of an organization, you've got people and money. Okay, so it, especially coming from a financial services standpoint, you understand the rigor and assessment and thinking you put behind capital and where you invest it you're going to have to have that same analysis that same rigor etc when it comes to people okay the second thing is people make things happen you know as the stylistic song goes people make the world go right that's right right so you know strategy those types of things come from people execution comes from people leadership comes from people so i truly believe it will increase the rigor, the level, the planning, the strategy that goes into the development and allocation of people. That plays right into the next question I was thinking about, and that's your team at Q's. What would you say, and I was told to add this, beyond Karen and Dawn is the greatest strength <laughs> of, your, <laughs> of your team at Q's? Sure. I'm uh, very fortunate in that I have a great team. The thing I, I, I love about my team, actually there are two things. Number one, we are a team, and that's the way we operate. That's the way we approach the business. Uh, we are a, a very effective and well-functioning team. We understand what the priorities are, what we're trying to get done, and we all understand our roles and responsibilities and are focused on doing that. If, if there's one area where we're excelling, where we can shift some things to help another area, we do that. There's no questions asked. The other thing I like about my team is we're very nimble. Which is important. Very important, especially in an ever-changing environment. Yeah. Uh, because, as I always say, you make a plan and then life happens. And when life happens, you have to adjust. Uh, and we do a very good job of, of planning and making good decisions. But when life happens and we need to adjust, uh, we adjust without hesitation. I'll tell you, I, I just have to throw this out there. I've always been impressed, and I've worked with Q's now for probably about 10 years, you know, just coming to conferences and events and things like that. I've always been impressed with the connection that your team has to your member credit unions, or it feels more like friendships. Sure, know? sure. 
it's been something that I've always just found impressive, like across the organization. And you just gave me a uh, a third one, and that's the relationship that we have with our members. Yeah. And you know, the way I coined it, I've I've been in the industry since two thousand and five, and the way I coin it at Q's is hugs, not handshakes. <laughs> right. So you come to a Q's event, you see us at the conference uh, we have a booth there or whatever it may be it's, it's hugs not handshakes so it's, it's a little more <laughs> i've told people as they were getting into the credit union space that the first time you meet people sometimes people look at you a little bit funny because they don't know you and the second time they're like i remember you the third time you're hugging it's just that's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that seems to happen here I want to move on a little bit over to kind of leadership life hack type things. You just mentioned 2005, you've been in credit unions. When I was doing a little research on the interwebs, I saw you were actually an intern at a credit union in high school. Is that that true? Yeah, so uh, you know, it was a great experience. My senior year in high school for the month of May, uh, it was called May Project. We didn't go to class. We had an internship. So in the field of interest, uh, you had a month internship that uh, you needed to uh, pursue. And... I was good math. My father was a minister of a, a large church on the south side of Chicago, United Methodist yeah. Church on the south side of Chicago, that had a credit union in the church. And um, I said, well, why don't we try this out? And I uh, worked for the month of May in the uh, credit union. It was a lot different then. <laughs> I was just going to say, and we're going to get into that. But, I mean, that's just pretty cool, like full circle. You're, now you're training not only leaders of credit unions, but future leaders as well with like your next top credit union exec. So to think that as a young senior in high school, you were, you know, had, had that opportunity. Yeah, that was quite an experience. And, you know, that piqued my interest in business and led me down that path. So it was a great experience. Is there something about credit unions, I mean, from that point forward that inspired you to make credit unions your career? Sure. For me, it's a perfect intersection of business and doing something good. Service has always been something that uh, I believed in and was raised to believe in, and uh, it's, it's just been a part of my life. And the credit union industry affords me the opportunity to leverage my business acumen, expertise, leadership, et cetera, marry that with community service, and uh, it, it just fits me uh, well and, and, and keeps me hungry and keeps me active and, and keeps me uh, waking up early in the morning to, to uh, really have an impact on the great industry as well as uh, the lives of a lot of great people. I love that. So has the inspiration changed at all with time on the job? And we don't have to go all the way back because you spent, I know you spent time at PSCU as well, but just in the last few years since you've taken over as the CEO, the president and CEO of Q's, mm -hmm. has that inspiration changed at all or still held constant all the way through? Constant all the way through. Like I said, the industry itself is right for me, and I drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago. I actually went back when I was in grad school in Chicago and served on the board of that credit union. Oh, did you really? I did. That, that's I did. awesome. So, but uh, I drank the Kool-Aid long ago. That, that inspiration, that fire, that passion has always been there. So great question. I love and it's, it's so fitting because it was either at symposium or it was at your CEO network event. The one that my team's heard me say a million times. But is there a line that your crew at Q's has heard you say so many times that when you start first word, they can finish your sentence? So they're actually two phrases, and it's interesting because now a lot of other people say them. <laughs> but um, the, the two they're two simple phrases and. 
Uh, one is begin with the end in mind. Okay. Okay. And, you know, it's probably a familiar phrase for a lot of people who will see or listen to this. You know, it's one of the uh, well, seven habits of highly effective people. Stephen. Yeah. So begin with the end in mind. The second one is another habit, and it's seek to understand and then be understood. Where did you get that from? That's one of those habits as well. Oh, it is. That's one of those habits as well. Again. Yeah, that's one of those <laughs> habits as well. And it's really helped me from a communication standpoint because at first blush when people meet me, they may think I'm quiet. Okay, they may think I'm reserved. And what they realize as they get to know me is that I'm an aggressive listener. Okay. Okay, where I really want to understand what you're trying to communicate to me before you know, I respond. So seek to understand and then be understood is, is something that uh, I've used quite a bit. Gosh, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he was a speaker you guys had, and he was like a keynote on the main stage, and I remember he wasn't wearing shoes because he said he sometimes falls off stages. This was, I think, years back. But he was like so full of energy, and it was the first time I'd heard the fail fast, fail cheap, and then do it again. You know, and it, I, I'm always just like, let's just keep trying stuff, you know? So I, it's the one, but it was from a Q's event. And like I said, I can't remember the name. It had to be eight years ago now or something like that. You know what I mean? But I want to kind of jump back a little bit to when we talked about change in credit unions. Have you noticed anything from the, you know, your first day at Q's to, to today where credit unions have made a, a big shift or a change? So and we kind of talked about going forward. Has there been something in the last few years that you're like, this is different. We have to change what we're doing, basically. Yeah, well, I think there's several major, what I'd say, uh, initiatives. So you have the influx of uh, technology, consumer-driven technology that has been integrated into financial services. It's totally different. I should say a lot has changed over the last five years uh, where you have someone that can handle all their financial matters on the phone. Okay, versus having to physically show up at a branch or pick up a phone or anything like that. So, you know, you have uh, institutions that have embraced that. I think uh, consolidation. Now, consolidation is something that you know, it's taken place over the last decade. The yeah. pace is still a steady pace. Because of its continuation, you're seeing larger transactions, larger mergers, larger integrations. So, you know, taking advantage of scale, taking advantage of larger market opportunities, I think are uh, some trends that you're seeing. I would also, you know, I have an interesting viewpoint in that you know, what I do, I just do not focus solely on the executive side. I focus on the board side as well. And on the board side, uh, I've seen the evolution of boards in a couple of different ways. I've seen boards establish effective partnerships with their management teams uh, and really partner with them to develop the strategic plans, make the right decisions to advance the organization. From a vision and mission standpoint, I've seen boards become more effective from a governance standpoint. So, you know, and how they operate, what the board composition is, you know, thinking through term limits, thinking through committees, thinking through all those different things to really make sure that it's an effective body to help lead the credit union. So I've seen good change and healthy change from that standpoint. Now, do things need to continue? Absolutely. 
Uh, and we all are aware of that. But if I take a look back over the past 10 years, there's been significant change. There's change in the makeup. I mean, you said board composition. That's something that I'm always interested in, or the, the board represents the membership? Correct, or the opportunity, right. whatever it may be. And I'm also uh, fortunate in that you know, we're an international association. Right. So I get to see this in Canada as well as uh, Caribbean countries and other countries as well. So, like I said, I think there's been significant change, yes. Oh, that's good to hear, always. How would you describe your leadership style? Let me be dating myself now, but I'm Bill Russell, okay? <laughs> I'm the player coach, okay? But I understand when I need to be a coach and when I need to be a player. I'm also very authentic. You know, what you see is what you get. I'd appreciate that from everyone on the team as well, <laughs> uh, so we know what we're dealing with. <laughs> but I would say uh, player coach as well as uh, very authentic. Is there a piece of advice or life lesson that you've received over time that's just stuck with you, that you carry with you? So uh, the best piece of business advice that I've ever received was the simplest piece of business advice that I ever received. And it is, if you are running a business, revenues have to be greater than expenses. But when you take that a step further, that it also needs to occupy your thinking and your prioritization. At the end of the day, people, whatever you do, time is going to cost money. You have to prioritize and put appropriate focus on how are you going to produce ongoing revenue streams that produce healthy margins. That should be the priority. Managing a budget you know, is important, but at the end of the day, it's managing a budget. The challenge is how do you create those ongoing revenue streams that produce healthy margins and that should be the priority the way I take it that's my priority that's where I spend most of my time thinking about not just in the current but you know what are the things that you need to do now to ensure that those things go on for 10 to 20 years down the road right that's where I'm focused and that's a priority for me when I lead an organization it's the revenue streams and you know you take that all the way back that goes back to satisfying member needs right and all those things there's a direct line back to that so i'm a very uh revenue focused business leader because i know at the end of the day if i'm running a business revenues have to be greater than expenses <laughs> like you said simple but there's a lot more to unpack correct there, right correct when you run into a problem whether it's yourself personally your team and you're just hitting your head up against a wall is there something you do that gives you a fresh look at something so that you can kind of push through it and Sure. So, um, I love music. Played the saxophone for many years, haven't picked it up in, in many years. <laughs> so, played it for many years and haven't picked it up in many years. But I love music. I love all kinds of music. But there's different music that I listen to to help me do different things. For example, when I write or pull a presentation together, more than likely I'm going to be listening to classical music uh, or jazz of some sort. It, it just seems to help me from a creative standpoint. You know, I'm a big Pat Metheny fan and more contemporary jazz when it comes to, you know, I'm facing certain challenges and I, I just need to hear something different. I'll listen to some new music, something way out there just to pull me away and get me thinking about something else. So I, I use music to really help me be more productive, uh, address challenges, take a break from things, etc. So is that something you've always done? Like when you think back on your life, you've has music just always been a major part of it? 
music uh, has been a major part of it. When I was younger, I used to play sports and, you know, do that type of stuff. But I started growing this way versus <laughs> that way. And <laughs> you know how that happens. I, I understand that completely. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, still trying to maintain a, a somewhat of a healthy lifestyle. You know, I, I work out and stuff like that. But music really helps. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I know you're a big sports fan. I know you're a Chicago guy. I happen to be a Detroit guy, so we don't agree on a few things. But right. um, <laughs> and I've always enjoyed talking to you about that. It, when you have a free day, no work stuff going on, no cue stuff, you know, what is it that you enjoy to do? What are those outside passions? You just mentioned music. How do you get away? Sure. So I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic. And, you know, you talk about brands that you have an affinity for, for where I'm a consumer. One of my favorite brands is ESPN. Okay, so, you know, Get Up is a television show that, you know, Greenberg made a name for himself in the city of Chicago on CLTV. That's right. Way back in the day. That's pre-Mike and Mike even. Exactly. Pre-Mike and Mike, exactly. And uh, Jalen Rose, I've always been a fan of his. He was a Michigan guy, so Detroit guy. There you go. There you go. There you go. So I I love that show. Uh, I'd like to, you know, start out my morning watching that. My favorite meal of the day is breakfast. Okay. Right? So, you know, having a great breakfast somewhere and and really being able to enjoy it. It's good stuff, right? Um, Last question on the leadership side, and and I think this is twofold for you. How do you keep your message fresh to your team over time? But also, how do you keep the Q's message fresh to credit unions? That's a great question. First is it comes with understanding, okay? And I'm, I'm a true believer that there's power in a frequent, simple message. There's power in a frequent, simple message. So making sure that there is understanding of the message. Then it's in the appropriate and relevant way, reinforcing it with examples. There are all kinds of examples out there. Everything's changing, but you know, if these are principles, if these are uh, things that have some staying power to them, you can always make them relevant by highlighting how it comes into play into a situation or how this is an example of that. So that's how I keep it fresh. But also making sure that you deliver it in the the right way. I was thought to think about communication with a basketball reference. It's passing the ball. At the end of the day, if the action that you want to have happen as a passer, the ball does not happen, it's the passer's fault. You know, it could be a chest pass or a bounce pass. Or maybe you need to communicate the message to someone else, pass the ball to someone else for them to get it into the person. You have to think through, you know, how you're going to do it, how you're going to get that message to them uh, in the most effective way to do it. So I always put a lot of onus on myself as the passer of the basketball. As the passer. Right, to make sure that people uh, receive the ball and do what they need to do to score, receive the message, understand it, and make the appropriate action. So. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, so I just want to move on to the rapid-fire questions. We end every show with these. The questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. Uh, do you have a daily routine that if you don't do it, your day just feels off? Yes. Music is important to me, as I said, and if, um, I'm a man of faith. I start off with a gospel song every day. Okay. Like first thing in the morning on the way to work? or it's, it's, The first music I hear is a gospel song. Right. It's been interesting, the, the few of these that we've recorded on, but everybody has something, right? Like that, you just, if you don't do it, you know, and, and for me, 
I swear, I'm going to keep saying this until they send me free ones. I, I journal. I write three pages every single morning in a moleskin journal. So. Okay. Um, a random question, but you've, you've mentioned music a few different times. What's the best album of all time, front to back, the one you don't skip a song? Off the Wall, Michael Jackson. I bet that's a lot of people's answer, right? You know, uh, I found a lot of people like Thriller. Okay. Which uh, we are splitting hairs of greatness right now. Right, right. Uh, but Off the Wall, to me, is a better better uh, album than, than Thriller. Yeah. Love it. I'm a reader. In our house, we have a stack of books that people have recommended, and we're trying to work our way through them. So is there a book over time that you've gifted to people, or do you just recommend, like, over and over? Well, um, yes, the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. I have mentees, different individuals that I work with, coach, learn from, because it is a two-way street. First thing I do is send them a copy of that book. As soon as we establish it's a formal relationship, that's the first thing I do is send a copy of that book. It's interesting how everyone seems to have a book that just stuck with them, right, that they took those nuggets from and, and, and moved on. So there's a question that I didn't send you in advance, and it's the reason why is I, I want it to be top of mind. When you hear the word success, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Muhammad Ali. He was successful in many aspects of life, right? So not just in his craft, which was boxing, but uh, in philanthropy and community service, you know, if you were to say someone who had a successful life, to me, it would be Muhammad Ali. Now, did it have trials and tribulations? Absolutely. Don't right? we all? It, it was not all rosy. But at the end of the day, you think about his legacy uh, and you, you think about the impact that he had on much larger than his craft. And boxing. Yeah. Exactly. Much larger than craft. The impact that he had on the world you know, where – if you were to ask, if you were to go around the world and say, give me your top ten people, favorite people, he may show up in that list. Didn't they, I think when he passed, that he was still like one of the most recognizable names in the world. As you've gotten older, what has become more important to you and has anything become less, an add-on question to it, what advice would you give 25-year-old John? What has become more important to me, uh, time and uh just making sure that I deliberately focus on where I'd like to spend it uh, and how I'd like to spend it. It's become more important. Uh, experiences have become more important. One of the uh, great things about my role here in Q's is I travel a lot. Yeah. So travel, new places, uh, experiencing new things, it's taking a much higher, higher priority for me. So I'm with you on that. I think a lot of people that know me, are, they always say that they know I love to travel, and I'm like, actually, I love the experiences that come from it. It's not the actual act of getting on the plane. It's what happens once I'm there that I might not know is going to happen even. so. And also with travel, I've lived in a lot of different places and have a nice network. The travel gives me the opportunity to touch base with people. I, I try and make it a point to work that in when I can. So, Is there anything specific that's become just less important to you that you focused on when you were a younger man that at this point in time you're like you know what just not as important you know i know i'm never going to dunk a basketball again <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> just quit no, trying right. it <laughs> but uh, no i uh, put it this way as far as my uh, physical abilities it's more focused on living a healthy life and being productive and enjoying whatever i'm participating in versus the competitive nature of it you know, the elliptical and the treadmill is my friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
versus trying to, you know, uh, basketball and all those others. For those are uh, games for the young. I, I love that answer. So I, I think that's a perfect place to wrap this up. One final question. Do you have any final thoughts or any asks of our listeners as we go? First off, thanks for the opportunity. Oh, thank uh, you. Really appreciate being here and, and being able to participate with this. Just know to the listeners that part of a great industry that addresses some major opportunities and challenges for consumers and financial services, but also does a lot of good in the community. And it's a great opportunity to really make a difference in your market from a business standpoint and uh, from a service standpoint. So, you know, the, the credit union industry really provides great opportunity, I think, for professional development, employment, and great industry to to really be impactful and you know, make this place, continue to make this world a better place. Well, John, I greatly appreciate it. Is John at Q's the best way to get a hold of you if people have additional questions? John, J-O-H-N at Q's.org. John at Q's.org. Awesome. We will link to that. We'll link to the Q's website. We will link to everything we talked about today. But again, John, thank you very much for taking time away from Symposium and sitting down with me for the hour. It's been awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. Same here. Same here. Thanks. Thanks.